Stay tuned Ooh, for uh, an exhibition on uh, cloth dodgeball. That'll be right after this between Great Britain and Mexico. The host country transitioning over to the next host country, passing the torch. Probably neither the time nor the place. Well, never mind. We'll see you Get later. Celebrity backflip as Team USA ends this match officially. They take gold. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am uh, joined by Nate Crater. Nate, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. And I, I can't help myself. It, it, it is Crater, right? Uh, Crater. Crater. Okay. Yeah. I, I've... It, it, I mean, everybody pronounces it wrong my whole life, so I'm not honestly not too concerned with it, but it's, uh, yeah, Crater. Crater. It's funny because I had this conversation in my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for Crater. That's all I've ever heard. Sometimes I hear Crater. <laughs> it's like Mark uh, Mark Acomb, right? And Acomb and... Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's just a thing with, with last names that are kind of spelled differently. There's, you know, multiple ways to pronounce it, really. So I'm not too concerned with it, though. Fair enough, man. Well, I uh, appreciate you having on. Um, been looking forward to this for a while, actually. So I, 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 I kind of just want to just dive right in because there's, there's quite a few questions that I have and then um, some people submitted and then um, we'll see where it goes. So um I guess let's just start with congratulations. Uh, first and foremost, it is um, what we're like three weeks now from from Worlds. God, has it been that long? It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that long at all, to be honest. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna ask. Like, so how, how does it feel to you right now? Um, honestly, it feels great. Like I, <clears throat> as like the career is winding down, because um, you interviewed a bunch of the young guys and they're kind of you know back to life or whatever. I think as like an older dude that you know, doesn't have very many of these left in him. Um, it, the time kind of slows down afterwards. So it, it still feels really good to me. Like it still feels awesome. Like I'm obviously back to real life and kind of the, the, you know, the grind of, of life, I guess, but, but no, I still, you know, have really vivid memories and really, you know, good feelings about what happened. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, in our like sound check, I was you know asking you to tell me about your day and then kind of cut you off. But um, you're, you're, are you self-employed? For those that may not know, um, yeah. So I actually have a couple of gigs. Um, I work um, part time at Apple, um, so I do you know a couple of days a week um, doing like inventory operation stuff um, for Apple. So that's kind of where some of the the stability comes from. So I get like you know benefits, stock options, like all that kind of like adult stuff. Um, right. But then you know the other you know, actually, well, really seven days a week is, is kind of, um, the fashion business. So, um, yeah, I have my own, um, fashion label that I, that is kind of the, my bread and butter and, and my passion and my love. So, so yeah, that's kind of, obviously that's what today was like. Today is just a design day. So I was in the studio all day, um, drawing, and then I have fittings on Wednesday. Um, and then, yeah, so just, uh, doing those few things. Cause the, the, benefits are pretty important and my mom um would have been really disappointed if i just quit apple because it's a pretty pretty good job um so i only do that a couple days a week and then um but yeah then i design the rest of the time that's awesome man yeah and i i mentioned that because for for some of the guys that i'm talking to they're kind of going back to their you know their monday through friday nine to five i don't want to say drudgery because i'm I'm to each their own but for you it's kind of different like you don't really have like that uh they're like oh crap like it's like I almost it's back to the the day to day, but it's kind of different for you. So I was just wondering like how that felt, um, returning that, um, cause I always have that issue too. Like, Oh cool. Dodgeball's great this weekend, but crap, gotta go back to work, back to reality and just kind of feels like blah after a while. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I honestly like, it doesn't ever feel like that cause Monday isn't like Monday to me. Um, because with only working part-time or a few days a week, like it, it's kind of sporadic. So a Monday can be like a Friday for me. Right. Or, you know, or a Sunday even where I can just, you know, I'm in the studio all day just designing and doing something that I love. Um, so it's not really, it's not really that difficult um, to come back to real life after something like that because I, I genuinely love what I do. Um, so it's, it, so that's exciting. And, and I feel very fortunate to be, to be in that position, of course, but, but no, there was a definite come down after, after, you know, 12 days in paradise. I mean, <laughs> Cancun is absolutely stunning. It's like white sand beach, clear water, like warm water. Um, there were days where we spent six hours in a beach chair. Like it was incredible. Um, obviously before the tournament started, um, and then when the tournament started, it was all grind, but, um, but yeah, there was a definite come down. There was a few days where I was missing everybody. I mean, I was around 
you know, 13 of my closest friends for, and the women's team, obviously some of my best friends are on that team as well. So it was, um, coming back to kind of not seeing them every day was, was a little rough of course, but, um, we made some good memories and, and, and accomplished something really cool. So, um, yeah, it's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah. The way I kind of like talked to some of the other guys, like you guys were like in a vacuum for a little while where like nothing else mattered, but dodgeball, you're just surrounded by that. You see people, you normally wouldn't see too often. And it's just like this, uh, like you said earlier, just like paradise too. Never mind the scenery. So that's good stuff. Yeah. Man. It was, it was awesome, man. Like, cause all the people have like the same goal as you. So there's no, there's no like wondering how this person is feeling or wondering that what that person is feeling. It's we're here for a gold medal together. And that is it. So it was such a, a such a unique kind of feeling where everybody was all in. Um, because like if you go to like an LA tournament or like a you know a, an Arizona tournament where you know some people are just kind of there for fun, some people are kind of just there to see their friends or whatever. People are here to win, um, you know. And so it, you you knew everybody had this like sole focus, and it was it was really interesting, really cool to to be a part of. For sure, and never mind like the journey too. Like it wasn't just a matter of like mindset, like I want to win. It's like you guys have been working your butts off, um, you know, since I guess even pre combine to get to the, to get to where you are. So it's, it's, it's probably a different feeling. I, I can't relate, but just to kind of pick out a little bit more, just, just a huge different feeling from, like you said, Hey, we don't know how we're going to show up at this tournament. Let's win money. Let's not. But you know, since day one, you guys were just gold, gold, gold. And, um, yeah, no, sorry. No, I was gonna say, yeah, it actually started for me and for me and Ketchum. Um, and then, uh, Cedro, I talked to him and then like, honestly, most of the guys from last year, because it started the minute we lost to Malaysia, um, in the final, like, cause we lost by what, two people in a, in overtime. Like it was the closest match I think I've ever been a part of. Um, and it was back and forth. And as soon as we lost, like, it was just this overwhelming feeling of just heartbreak. Um, but then there was this like kind of interesting thought of like, well, what if we actually, you know, prepared like this was, the professional level of the sport. Cause it is really like, it's the highest level of the sport. And we prepared, we prepared for, for last year really well. I mean, personally I busted my butt to, to, to get in good shape and blah, blah, blah. But there was another level that we hadn't reached yet. Um, and as soon as we lost, I knew that that was kind of the goal. So it started, you know, the, the minutes after we lost to Malaysia and watched them get the gold medals last year. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's what I was going to transition to. And um, also glad you brought up Ketchum because when I interviewed him for the like the precap, he said that uh, potentially losing to Malaysia last year was like the best thing could have that could have ever happened to Team USA. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe it. Absolutely. Like, you guys got were definitely hungrier from like you said it started that day, right? The the path yeah. to 2019. That feeling sucked. Like that feeling sucked. Like I was, I like I was. Malaysia played a great match, and I was very happy for them, um, and they they earned it. But I did not want to feel that again. And and I knew if we, you know, kind of put in put ourselves in a good position to work, and and also it made me think differently too. Like it made me, like I've always been kind of a heady player, where where I, you know, come up with game plans and dissect other teams to to put my my teams in positions to win. Um, and uh, it kind of just put me on another level of that because they're such, they're such a hard team to beat. Um, and if you don't have a specific game plan, it, you know, it's going to be really hard to beat them. Um, so yeah, losing to them really opened our eyes to kind of what the, the next level we needed to get to and, and the next steps we needed to take. Um, and, and yeah, it ended up being like this like eye open experience. And so from that day, like I, I would, you know, I did practices and, and, and open gyms where I would call these plays and I wouldn't have names for them or whatever, but I would, I would basically test these theories I had on open gym teams. And obviously open gym, like in the environment that is like the 10 second count is much more lax. So, right. so you can, you can really take 15 seconds if you, if, and you can be very specific on what you first any more long winded in the huddle. It's like, Hey, I need you to throw that this person on this count or whatever. And then you can kind of, experiment so i experimented for months and months and months and kind of wrote down you know plays and these things and then um when the team was picked um me brett lou and stone um had this coaches and captains chat and i would just just spam them with like hey what about this idea and this idea and i would just like you know and then obviously it was long and wordy and, and fortunately for me those three are the some of the brightest minds in dodgeball so it, it was really helpful for them to kind of like you know guide some of my ramblings and we we would spitball back and forth and kind of come up with these things and and um, honestly it's been, yeah, a year of kind of 
work and and eye-opening kind of kind of experiences to to get us to where we are do you think you guys ascended to that level that you were talking about like when you lost last year like okay we, we gotta take this we gotta prepare as if this is gonna be a conventional sport for lack of better words um we have to ascend to a new level of playing do you, do you think you guys are there now um I mean, I always think there's room for improvement, for, of course. Like, we, we could have played better in certain matches. We could have been more consistent. But I think – I mean, honestly, I think we took a huge step forward for the sport, um, you know, and for Team USA. Like, we, I think we've, we started doing a – or we we're built a pretty good foundation on what future teams can kind of um, build on. Um, and, and, yeah, I think we – I think this year we pushed the sport higher than it's ever been, at least in this country. I can't speak for other countries, obviously. But – the results also show that we, we, you know, we're consistent and we, and we, we, we beat a, a very good team in the final, um, playing this, this specific, you know, brand of dodgeball that we, you know, hopefully again can, can build on and, and perfect. Cause obviously like your job is never done. The work is never over. There's always, you know, next year's worlds or whatever. And then you better believe that Malaysia is going to come back hungrier and, Absolutely. and Australia and Canada and these teams that, improve every single year um you know so so again this could be malaysia like talking next year i mean like oh the best thing that happened to us was lose the usa kind of thing um i obviously don't want to let that happen i you know i'm not you know gonna try to let anybody knock us off the top yet but um but yeah i think we i think we definitely got to a new level of of dodgeball with you know kind of the the strategies we employed and and the way in which we employed them which was really interesting that's, that's definitely what it looked like. Um, and I, I could tell when I was watching um, some of the combine when it was being streamed, like some of the drills that um, that they were having you guys do. And there was this one, I think it was like an agility slash um, accuracy drill where, you know, Mark was showing like, a, I think you like you threw the ball, backpedaled and did some side to side lateral maneuvers, picked up a ball and threw and hit a target. And you can tell, like, just doing that small little thing, if you weren't practic- if you weren't in shape going to there, you're in for, like, a very rude awakening. So just that simple little tweak right there just kind of set the pace for uh, we're looking for people that are actually, you know, in the gym constantly pushing themselves to get better, to push past the, uh, oh, I'm pretty good, you know, I play elite all the time, so I can make Team USA kind of mentality that I think some people still might have had. I don't think we're going to see that next year after what you guys did, so... I agree, man. No, I don't think I don't think so either. I think I think what it showed is that foam is an is an athlete's game. Like you can't be out of shape and compete with these other countries. You just can't. You have to be. You can't get tired. You have to throw as hard as they do. You have to move as well as they do. And to I mean, honestly, people don't give credit enough to Malaysia with how hard they throw. Those kids can throw super super hard, and they're quicker than everybody, and they're harder to hit. So if you think you're going to go out there and beat those kids like with just playing like you play an elite, you 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 need to wake up, man, because that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, you look at Ketchum, you look at Mikey, you look at Elijah. Like these dudes are just just athletic freaks, and they're and they push them too. Like it, you know, like you Ketchum goes elite and he pretty much runs over everybody, right? Just with his power and how he, how good he is. But he goes there and Malaysia gives him a test because they are so good. Um, and Australia and Canada. I'm not trying to like you know disrespect any other countries. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, I think this year's combine will, will, will be, uh, I think everybody will be a lot more in better shape and kind of ready to, ready to kind of try to get to that next level. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll, they'll train for the combine to train for USA. Like it'll be like a, a, a huge stepping stone for, for them, um, to get that conditioning going like now. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if you're not training now, you, you're, you're already behind. Yeah, exactly. You need to get in there. So so I've listened to, um, I mean, this is back when, um, you know, Tate's had you on the book of dodgeball, uh, kind of creeped in on you with the, with that awesome interview for anybody that's listening that wants to get to know you a little bit more, I guess up until 2015, but, uh, you kind of laid out like your workout routine. Um, I'm, I'm imagining four years later, that's, that's changed pretty significantly. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, I actually, last year I was probably 10 to 12 pounds heavier than I was this year. Um, and I was in good shape. I was in great shape last year, but I was more, I was significantly more muscular. Um, and I was carrying a lot more, you know, upper body weight and whatever. And then this year, um, I just, I just wanted to change it up. So I, I run five, six times a week, um, sometimes twice a day where I'll do like a, like a long, slow run at night. And then I'll do, I'll try to get like a sub six minute mile, um, you know, at night 
before. And then I, I honestly just got, I just went all body weight exercises. So push-ups, pull-ups, core, um, yoga, these things where like, I'm not in the gym, you know, trying to bench 300 pounds anymore. I'm just doing, you know, 200 push-ups a day or, 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 you know, a hundred pull-ups a day or whatever. Um, just to get, you know, my body weight at a, at a good level and then my strength at a good level, um, and just stay, stay flexible. Um, because if you watch how everybody moves out there, like it's not all power anymore. It's power mixed with speed mixed with accuracy. You have to be able to throw, you know, a hundred percent and then get 30 feet back in a second and a half. Like it's, it's just the sheer action on your body is, is so stressful. So, um, flexibility was huge for that. Um, and just working on your speed and your, your, your agility will, will kind of set you up pretty well. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, just even watching Malaysia, like they, they were very hard for you guys to hit the first uh, two games and just a lot of that was just based on their ability to maneuver and, and get small, move fast, strike fast. And then you just do all these things that, um, like if you're not conditioning the right way, like you said, if you're just focused on beach muscles or, or benching 300 pounds, um, you're going to get maneuvered around fast and you're not going to last on that court. So kind of, kind of interesting how you kind of incorporated yoga too. Um, I don't know how a lot of people look at yoga, but that's definitely something that kind of helps with that flexibility. And I think that's probably going to be like a staple in terms of conditioning when we look down the road, you know, five or six years from now, when it comes to like how team USA is built, like pretty sure we'll see that incorporated into the whole routine. Oh, absolutely. I think it needs to be. I mean, Mikey, Mikey did yoga. I think he did it four or five times a week. And that dude is a truck. That dude is the, the one of, in one of the best shapes I've ever seen in my entire life that he is just so just solid. Um, but he did yoga because he knew that he needed the flexibility to, to, to move out there and move freely the, the way he wanted. And it showed he was, that dude was incredible. Um, but yeah, I think, I think yoga is important because the way that you're moving, like you're jumping, you're, you're landing weird, you're putting your legs behind you, putting your legs underneath you. Like if you're not flexible and you're, you can't get small quickly or, or bend in certain ways, then you're going to get hit. Like those first few games against Malaysia, like they ran us over. They six oh six oh like they because they were just so hard to hit and we weren't we weren't ready for that so they they came out and punched us in the mouth real quick and we had to respond and obviously thankfully we did but um but yeah like if you try to go power on power like it doesn't like an out is an out in dodgeball right like you don't have to crush people in the chest like if you hit them on the foot it's it's as good for your team as hitting them right in the face like it, it you know what I mean it doesn't matter so so again this all this raw power stuff it, it is of the past I think and I think it's going to be, you know, people are going to, uh, are going to go toward like quickness and agility and, and obviously accuracy, accuracy is king in foam, right? Catching isn't catching really isn't that, that huge of a thing in foam. Accuracy is everything. So Dylan was saying like, just working on being accurate was, was like what he could bring to the table. Cause uh, like, as you said, you know, you guys were definitely not short on power by any stretch of the imagination, but actually being able to connect turned out to be huge and, and probably, um, turned the tide for you guys. But, um, kind of want to push pause on that one because I definitely want to get into the final match uh, a little bit more, but um, just kind of backing up again. So this was, what year was this for you being a captain? Um, This is my third year being a captain. Third year. So 2015, and then I guess we won't speak of 2016, 2017, but 2018 and this year, right? That's Those were the years? Yep. Yep. So, oh man, I guess, what, what does it mean to be a captain? So you talk about like how remarkable these players are. Everyone is at their, their best, at their highest level to date. And um, with that, I imagine come a lot of egos, a lot of, um, I mean, just, just look at the, like it, it would take no outsider from dodgeball to see like, this is a great team. So how do you, how do you rein that in? And what's it like to be the leader of that? Um, honestly, 2015 was, was, easy because we kind of all didn't we none of us really knew what we were doing or knew what to expect so we kind of everybody just kind of knew and they they just kind of listened um to to thoughts that i had and whatever and it was kind of like a this like group effort kind of thing um last year was last year was the most difficult year by far just because we had the new process we had the new you know the new selection process then we had coaches and i didn't really know i've never had a coach in dodgeball i didn't know how to react i didn't know how much power they got i didn't know because it was all new to everybody and they didn't know either. So it was kind of us feeling these things out. And I still, because I'm a, I'm a, like, I've always been kind of like the, the vocal leader of all my teams. And I've always been the guy that comes up with strategies and all these things. Um, 
and, and obviously I, I had some great like pine is is an incredible dodger mind and vince and, and ish and cole and those guys like so it was always very easy on doom just because they would they would tell me if i was wrong and, and we'd figure it out or they would come up with things um but last year was weird just because we didn't know what the coaches jobs were going to be and neither did they so we kind of there was this like walking on eggshells kind of thing and then this year we we knew what we needed because of how miserable last year was so we immediately got this like line of communication going and as far as egos go like no one has an ego after losing you know that closely in a gold medal match right everybody's ego is out the window at that point um because they just lost in front of the world um in a game that we that we thought we should have won um and so immediately then you know and because most of the players from last year's team was on this year's team with a few you know kind of um a few a few changes but but no i mean you, I mean, I've, I have a huge ego as a player. Like I think, I, you know, you know, you have to, I think you have to, if you're at this level, um, you have to think you're one of the best or the best, because if not, you're, you've already lost. If you think the person across me is better than you, then they're going to beat you, you know, hundred times out of a hundred. Um, but you have like Ketchum who, who knows he's great. Mike, you knows he's great. You know, these, these dudes, um, but their egos all went immediately out the window. Um, and they bought into the, the game plan that, um, Brett Lou, myself and stone came up with. Um, and cause they, I think they knew like, you know, deep down they were like, this is what is going to take Dodgeball to the next level. And this is what it's going to put us in a position to win. Um, and kind of part of that was, was, you know, I, I kept preaching. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't want the MVP on our team. Right. I didn't want that. Cause if we had an MVP, that means someone stood out and, you know, stood out above the game plan and kind of needed to do more than what was required of them and to, to win. Right. So if we, if we win a gold medal with no MVP, that was like ideal for me. Um, and obviously winning MVP is awesome. Um, and I was very proud of catching for doing that last year. However, this year there was no like huge standouts. I don't think on our team, I think everybody was just so consistently good. Um, that because with, with the game plan we drew up, it was, everybody's going to do their job at the time that they are required to do their job. And we are going to win as a unit. Um, and I think we pulled it off. And I think that showed with the no egos, like with, people pulling themselves out of games in certain scenarios or people kind of uh, putting the team above themselves or Dylan, you know, when I told them you might only get 10 seconds of play time in this, in this semifinal match, but if you hit Des or you hit, you know, whoever rush, I was hoping it was Des. Um, if you hit him every time and he trades with you, our five will get there five. I promise you. And again, you might only get 10 seconds of play time, but you will do your job and you will help your team win. And he goes done. And so every time he did it, he had this big smile on his face because he did what we asked of him um perfectly and it was and he put his ego aside there like he wanted to play more than you know the first one and a half second of the game obviously but he put his team in a good position to win and and, and we were better for it yeah he uh i'm glad you brought that up because like he he did mention that in my interview with him and he he said almost almost verbatim like i will do whatever is necessary for the team to include uh taking those sacrifice outs because i kind of gave him a hard time on on instagram I was like dude what are you doing why do you keep like killing yourself like you're you're far more valuable alive. Me not really understanding um, how much of an impact Dez was, and for yeah. him to just take out their one of their best weapons um, with the trust, knowing that you guys were gonna mop up afterwards, um, that spoke volumes with like that kind of um, just that uh, faith that you guys had in each other. And it's really cool hearing it from your point of view too. Like, yeah, if you if you take this guy, I promise you, we'll 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 mop up, and that's exactly what you guys did. So, in, in a weird way, I'm kind of glad I I was you know clueless asking hey what are you what are you doing because it got me like a nice little insight on what was going on almost in real time and that's uh that's an incredible feeling when you know like okay if i if i sacrifice myself and catch this ball i'm bringing in like the best of the best it's going to be worth it um because you know when you play you know elite or even like local level sometimes you're just kind of like ah i don't know if i feel like murdering myself to get this ball but just to have that kind of insurance has got to be pretty pretty huge yeah, man, it, it like it, it just showed it honestly just showed another level of trust, right? Like he he trusted that what we were telling him was, you know, exactly what needed to happen. And he he trusted it and believed it. And he he bought in 100 um, percent. And he was a huge reason why we won. We wouldn't have won without him. Um, so, it, you know, again, and, and him trusting the system and the system working is also a huge, you know, a huge thing for me personally, because if we told him to do these things and he does it and he commits and does his job and then we somehow screw up and lose, then it's such a, it's, it's such a terrible feeling. Cause I'm like, Oh, I told you to do this. 
you could have helped us in other ways and I was wrong. Um, but fortunately this, um, this played out exactly how I envisioned and hoped. So it was, that was also pretty cool. Did kind of a dumb question, but did it motivate you guys to, to really make it worthwhile? Like Dylan is sacrificed himself every single time. Now we have to play better. Like it, like it just adds that like extra element of, of motivation for you guys seeing that happen and play out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't necessarily like an extra motivation. It was just, we were so pumped because he just kept doing his job so perfectly. Like it wasn't like we were like, Oh, we have to do this for Dylan. Now that he did that, he's like, Oh God, did he got Des out again? Yes. Nice. And then you see us get pumped every time. And then we start, we start the game off with like this, like this, this energy, right. Where you get that hit. Right. And, and obviously the Des hitting Dylan is a big out for Australia as well. Like I'm not, you know, th there's no, like Dylan is an incredible player. I would put Dylan against any player in the world. Um, but for, what we what we saw on our end is if we can get Dylan for Des, Des is their hardest thrower, um, you know, and he's he's arguably the most athletic dude in the gym. That guy's an athletic freak, um, and he's hard to hit and he draws a lot of balls. So if we can get him for one ball and Dylan, you know, and again Dylan actually hit him a few times without without you know um, taking him out as well, which is great. And I think Des did once get Dylan without Dylan hitting him, um, but. But it's just it's just such an energy boost, and we were like, he did his job. Now we got to do ours, kind of thing. That was that was it. Like that was the only thought. It was we we didn't need extra motivation to win. It was just it, we saw him do his job. I'm like, okay, now it's time to do your job. Where Mikey, me, and you are going to protect on these corners, catch him, Cedro, Eli. You guys are going to hit your spots and be hard to hit. You know, and and, and we just needed to execute because Dylan did his job. So like it was a, our turn to do ours. Like a chain reaction of just if this, then that, and then just so forth. Like a sequence yeah it's i mean it's chess it's it's literally just a giant game of chess like we move in a counter move move and counter move and and took a couple pieces off the board and if we can get you know a couple more pawns done in the middle and then we focus on the, the corners later and you know figure that out nice so i kind of want to get into one of the the crowdsource questions from dominic because uh, we're kind of talking about dylan and you know he's, he's pretty young um but dominic dominic asks uh what was it like playing and leading the young players um it was a, it was a dream, man. Like the, the balance of the balance on this team was pretty great this year. Actually, it was kind of an interesting, it was, you know, six old dudes, six young dudes kind of thing. Um, and then the, the young dudes ended up, um, starting, um, in the semifinals and finals just because the matchups favored them. Um, because we played, you know, smaller, faster guys and, and, and the young guys are the, on our team with how they're built and how they play They're you know, they're smaller and faster. So, so matchup wise, that's kind of why they got the nod, um, against the Australians and Malaysias. Um, but also like they are, they are so wise beyond their years. Like Eli's this 18 year old kid that is the most unflappable, you know, calm, composed dude I've ever met. Like when he played that one-on-one -on -one against Mergler, there was not a single like ounce of nervousness in his body. He just, he, he just knew he was going to win that. And he, and Mergo is a great player. Like Mergo is a very, very hard person to beat one on one. Um, but if you just look at Eli's eyes during that, you're just like, oh, "There's no way this kid's losing this. This is what he's built for." Um, and Mikey, like Mikey, off the court will will admit that he's not an academic. Um, but on the court, that dude is he is so dodgeball smart. It is it is amazing to just listen to him kind of like respond and, and say these things. We're like, "Oh God, okay, Mikey. Yeah, we we see eye to eye on this. Like, yeah, we got to do this and this and this." so great and then obviously catch him is he's still a young guy which is crazy but he's been around forever so he doesn't feel like a young guy to me right. um he just feels like he just feels like my you know the the batman to my robin or my robin to my, however you want to look at it um but that dude's just always been next to me and he plays next to me and so we're constantly talking all day on the court um and he he actually played his best tournament that i've ever seen him play ever i think he was best at this tournament that he ever has been um and it's because he didn't make mistakes he was so smart um, but yeah, again, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, but the, the young guys were so, so much fun because they were so willing to listen and willing to do their job, even if it meant, you know, again, sacrificing playtime minutes, whatever to, to, to do what the team needed to do to win. Um, and then the vets were there to just, the vets were so great too. um, super supportive, giving the young guys all these pointers and, and the young guys just kind of being open, like the young guys didn't have egos at all when they very well could. Like you look at those young players, and you're like, oh, you're, you're some of the best players in the world. Like I would, you know, if the five of you, six of you are, are among the 10, 15 best players in the world, in my opinion, like to not have an ego 
being that young and being that good is 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 really interesting and that that's a huge reason why we won is because they they also bought into what you know to the team idea like gold medal or nothing yeah not, not to diss on the youth but you know like like you're kind of alluding to like the, the go-to normally is you know to have a little little bit of an ego little chip on your shoulder but um the fact that they saw the bigger picture and are as brilliant as they are and were willing to buy in um you know across from the youngest to the oldest um is why you know we're talking about you guys and, and how you just pretty much cleaned house so that's um it's, it's freaky to think of like what eli and mike are going to be when they like reach 30 mid-30s i guess our age um assuming they're playing that long but uh and then even scarier to think about like what's going to come after them just imagining how, yeah. how much this is going to advance in the next uh 10 to 15 years it's crazy i mean eight they're 18 and 20 like That's they're insane. just these they're just these like young kids that are and not only like are not only like two of the most athletic players there like if you watch how they move they are just athletic superior to just about everybody out there um eli's just this little ball of muscle and he throws harder than anybody moves better he catches incredible um he can't get hit and mikey's the same thing like throws harder moves faster is quicker you know um blocks better and but they don't they don't care about that they just want to they just want to win and they'll do whatever the team needs of them to win like i asked eli to play all six positions throughout the weekend and he did it without batting an eye. He's like, yeah, whatever you need, like, and he would just do it. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was, it was cool to be part of. That's awesome. Um, Sergio Leone. So he kind of asked. Uh, we we did cover some of it, um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and just kind of read the full question. So he asked, how was Captain Worlds this year different than last year? Um, and then we kind of talked about like it was pretty much fairly new. The process was new. You guys weren't really sure like what lanes you guys had respectively between yourself and the, the coaches. But then, obviously, this year there's a little bit more buy-in. But um, was there anything different other than that? That those like main two points. Um, <clears throat> this year, I had a chip on our shoulder. Like last year, we went in, um, and, and I'm going to be completely honest. I expected to win the gold last year. Like I, I go into every tournament expecting to win the gold. So that's no disrespect to, to anybody. Um, but then when we didn't, it was it was eye-opening for everybody involved because we were like, okay, we can't just go in here and out-talent people. Um, because if you look at the talent on our team, like I, I think it'd be hard to argue that we're that we're not the most physically gifted team out there, um, like most athletically gifted team. Again, no disrespect to anybody else, but but um, I, I think that's the case. But again, like they beat us last year because they had a better game plan and they 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 played it better than we did. Um, so it opened our eyes to to you just can't go out and out talent people. You have to you have to beat them at the game. You have to play the game better to beat them, right? Right. So, um, so that's what we did. We, 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 you know, went back in the lab and, and cooked up these, these strategies and this, these plays and these playbooks and these things that, that I, you know, we believed would get us to that next level. Um, and then again, yeah, like at being comfortable with Brett and Lou after last year, because I wasn't sure how much I trusted them because I didn't really know them too well. Um, but after last year's experience, they were, they're amazing. They're amazing dodgeball minds. They're amazing humans and they're, and they're genuinely a joy to talk to um about the sport because they understand it in, in you know in similar ways that i do um uh, which which i which i appreciate um so yeah so this year it was just kind of like it was it was us four the two the two captains and the two coaches just kind of coming up with everything i mean we worked months and months and months before we brought anything to even the team and then when the team was picked we started you know figuring out lineups and figuring out whatever and then um and then you know strategies to beat specific teams and and then we spent you know hours and hours watching film in Cancun um, on who we're going to play next and, and, you know, kind of kind of the ways that, that we knew we could beat them and, and be successful for the tournament. That's awesome. Yeah. So just all across the board, you know, you had a little bit more to prove. You said you had the chip on the shoulder, you understood a system, you understood where each role fell into. You guys are just hungrier, more on board. And I feel like you guys are just a little bit more, um, or tactical, I guess, more more like keen on, on going into this one because, as you said, you, you couldn't, you're not, you weren't just going to go out talent them because um, that was obviously the one of the mistakes last year. Yeah, if you watched last year versus this year, like you you watch our timing, you watch our like the timing of our throws versus the time and like how we come, even just the simple thing of how we break the huddle, like how we come out of the huddle was cleaner, how we approach the line was all in sync, like you, you like just the little things that don't seem to be a big deal, but at that point you're presenting united front to the team. So it's not, 
So you're not telegraphing anything. Like they, they have no idea where the ball's coming from. They have no idea when it's coming out. Like there's just the little things that, that will set you apart. Um, that I think we, I think we really did well this year. And honestly, like the, the, everybody, the chip on the shoulder was huge because everybody's in the gym every day. People were working out all the time, getting in shape because everybody knew how it felt last year to lose. And that sucks. We didn't want to feel that again. Definitely. Yeah, it was rough. Um, Cause I'm sure, you know, myself and pretty much everybody just, I don't want to say we wrote you guys off as, as winning. Um, but it was, it was shocking to, to know that that didn't happen. I was like, but how Like they did everything right yeah. this time in terms of selection, they got like the best roster possible. Um, but now it's like, okay, it makes sense looking back last year and the differences that were put into this year, it's definitely easier to, under, to answer that question of, of 2018. Um, Sergio also asks, what were the biggest challenges you faced uh, heading into Cancun? So um, he asked, like, mental, physical. Did you have any any big issues or any, like, yeah, I guess challenges uh, prior to? Um, oh, prior to? Um, right. No, not really. Honestly, like, everybody was on board. Like, the, the thing that worried me a little bit was the, the complexity of some of the stuff we were going to do um, and, and the way it was worded um, in, like, the, the materials that we were giving the team. Um, but going into the training camp, um, which we spent a weekend in Dallas, um, I was nervous going into that because I was like, okay, like, you know, if, if one person doesn't buy in and that person is like a, like a heavy voice, right? So like Ketchum's a good example here. Like, and he, he bought in hundred percent. This is not, um, anything saying he didn't, but for example, like, let's say if he didn't buy in and he was, cause he's a, he's a, he's a loud voice. Like the team listens to him, you know, as they should, he's great. Um, but I was nervous. I was like, what if, you know, what if Ketchum doesn't buy in and then he kind of plants these seeds in these other players' heads, like, oh, this isn't exactly what we need to do or we need to scrap all this. And then at that point, it's like six, seven months of work that me, Brett, Lou, and, and Stone did that down the drain because, you know, there's not a, there's a lack of trust in kind of the, the overall vision. Um, so I was pretty nervous about that actually going into training camp. But then, mm. you know, after after the two-day training camp that we did it was there was and we we all sit at the same house so there's like we bonded all night we had you know we had you know dinner at the house and we talked and and went over things and got to know each other and went on a team run at 7 a.m and and we did all these cool things that that just kind of grew us closer and closer and and at that point we were not even a team anymore we were just like family um which sounds so cheesy but it, it honestly is like that like you spend so much time with these people and you you know you commit to the sport that you love, like you might as well go all in and, and everybody thankfully like bought into the game plan and bought into what was happening. And, and after the training camp, I was, I, I was like, this is perfect. Like we're going to be so hard to beat when we, when we turn this on. Um, and fortunately it, it, it translated really well um, in Cancun. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about like the team slash family aspect, but I want to save that for some of the, like, I guess like the wrap up questions. Cause those are, I don't want to, I want to say the, the the heavy hitters, but um, there there are some lighter questions I want to want to get through from from the group. Okay, but um, yeah, I'll definitely re- revisit that though. Um, so Dan Levine asks, um, "What was it like being the Grinch? Would you have preferred Santa?" I don't, I have no idea what that's about though. So I don't know if that's an inside joke oh. or no. So that we there was a Halloween ter- or a holiday tournament yesterday um, oh. that WDS hosted, and I was I was one of the special characters, so I got to kind of uh, run a muckle oh, over okay. the gym and. Yeah, and rules didn't apply to me, so I was crossing the line and hitting people point blank, um, and I was kind of uh, just just wreaking havoc on this tournament. Um, and it was a ton of fun. <laughs> and, and fortunately, everybody was a good sport about it because I was, I literally would run a point blank hit people, and I would end games sometimes, and, and nobody got mad. So it was so it was a ton of fun. It was a good it was a good day. So you got to live up to to being the Grinch, I guess. You stole yeah, stole Christmas. <laughs> and it was a good way to it was a good way to wind down after like how serious dodgeball has been for me for the last year, like. There, there's been like not not that it hasn't been fun, but it's been so solely focused on the gold medal that not caring and just hitting people and and being stupid was was um, honestly a, a good thing for me. <laughs> like a welcome uh, change of pace, yeah, just kind of yeah. So end the year on a high note. Yeah, and just kind of like I don't want to say re fall in love with the sport again, but like you said, with, you know, the stakes aren't you know the world's not watching you to you know win a gold medal. You're just you're just the Grinch. You're having fun, so. That's yeah, good. exactly. Decompression. It's funny because we, we, we did something similar to that with the, like the Harry Potter tournament in uh, November. And Ketchum yeah, that's was... where they got our, 
that's where they got their idea from actually i figured yeah because it's pretty yeah. really close to voldemort and same thing you know andrew's just running havoc on people full character just being you know having fun with it so it's always good to see that from time to time um yeah it was, it was fun I guess I'll ask it anyway, just now I have some context. So Mark Stokes says, uh, would you like to be the Grinch in every dodgeball game you play in for now um, with all the powers you had as the Grinch? Actually, that's more like a statement. Um, I think we covered that one. I, I mean, yeah. like to have fun when you can. Um, yeah, there's no rules. So why wouldn't I want to be the Grinch? I couldn't get out. <laughs> and if people caught me, they were out. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, okay. You really can't do anything against you then. That's... No, it was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I would love that. I would love those powers for every dodgeball turn I ever play again. Be like omnipotent. I, I cannot be harmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was great it's awesome um let's see kind of a sidebar question from sergio he says if you can choose a celebrity male or female to dress in your gear who would it be and why oh um that's a good question i like that um god i can't even think i would like to dress ryan gosling that dude's tight um he seems like a classic handsome polite man so i would like to dress ryan gosling um kid cuddy i'd like to dress kid cuddy um, and then there's like what Timothy, Timothy Charlemagne or whatever. Um, he's just like young, this young heartthrob dude that, that has really good style. So I'd really like to dress him as well. Gotcha. I don't know the last one, yeah. but I can see, uh, I can see Ross, Ryan Gosling. He's a very, he looks like he cleans up very well. Well, obviously he does. Um, in all his- yeah, well, I dressed Scott Evans the other day, which is great. Um, Scott nice. Evans is, is an actor out here. He's a sweetheart and he's one of my close friends. So, uh, I dressed him the other day and he sent me some photos. So was, that was exciting as well. Yeah. Funny. Uh, Funny thing, I so he follows uh, Ballastan Instagram, and sometimes I'll see him like looking at his stories, and I'll like almost drop my phone, I'm like oh my god, like he's he's watching. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's awesome. I totally fanboy <laughs> out, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's great. Cool. Well, go back to uh, to worlds. Um, Sydney asks, uh, why do you touch your shoe every three seconds? So I've, I've noticed this too. Oh, like, a... what are, what are you doing? Yeah, you that's a good that? question. Um, actually, it's it's so it's to get it's to be able to grip the ball better every throw so if you watch i'll do it before every like i'll i'll rub my right shoe with my right hand and then i'll find my spot where i need to hold the ball um because it gets it gets hot and sweaty in there and it's it was humid down there and the dust from the bottom of your shoes makes for a great a great you know a great moisture kind of it takes the moisture away so i'll rub the bottom of my shoe so i have grip on the ball you also see me certain games where i'll rub my hand rub my palms of hands on the top of the floor that's also just to kind of get the dust on my hand so um, it takes away the, the moisture so I can grip the ball better. Huh. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where like, you know, you, you, it just, it's just better grip on the ball. That's it. Like the, it's simple as that. Like it's not to grip my shoes. The, the floor, my shoes didn't have any trouble gripping, but every time I do that, it was, you know, dirt on my hands. And I always found dirt was the best, like not chalk, not any of this like dry hands or anything. Like honestly, just dirt, dirt is the best thing for, for grip on a foam ball just what good old mother mother nature gives us yeah i would go to the corner of a gym sometimes and rub my hands in it and it's disgusting and i have to wash my hands immediately after and i always i don't high five people i try to fist bump them because my hands are so gross but um but yeah that's the best way i found to grip a ball so that's that's why i do that huh well two things one um that reminds me of gladiator every time he's about to murder some people you know he grabs the sand and like you know gets that grip he used to do that for baseball yeah it's very similar to that yeah very similar to that actually yep um, that's a good trick. And, and two, I'm probably not going to air that part just cause I don't want to have, I, I want this advantage over you versus everybody else. So no, I'm just kidding. We'll, oh, perfect. We'll, we'll keep that. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Now that I, if I see them, like, okay, Nate's obviously throwing, I mean, probably will anyway, but, um, that's cool. That's a nice little, yeah. I, well, I try to do it before I try to do it before I grab every ball just cause then even if I'm just pump faking it, it helps to obviously have a grip. So, and it's also just like, it's become kind of a tick. So it's, it also is like a superstitious thing because I, I play baseball in my life. So I'm, I'm extremely superstitious when it comes to sports. So if it's successful and I'm doing something right and we're winning, I will, I will continue to do that action until it doesn't work anymore. Did you have any uh, superstitions outside of this one uh, back at Worlds? Um, I mean, yeah, I have to put my gear on the same way every time. I, I have to listen to You Better Have My Money by Rihanna, um, huh. which is the best pump-up song ever. If, if you guys haven't heard that, it's a great pump-up song. Um, and then, yeah, I jog, I jog in circles. I skip. I, I do these certain things the same way. Um, and I'll do it in the same color, like warm up every day. If that warm up worked the day before, um, I brought the same shoes that I played in 2015 worlds, um, down here. I didn't play them, play in them, but I brought them, um, to like wear to the gym because I just wanted those good vibes. Cause that was the last gold medal we won. So I kind of wanted to 
replicate that success, obviously. I mean, that, that probably did so, it. Yeah. Who knows? Like if you had left. Yeah. Those. Oh, and I, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. So I, and I, I, you know, wear a lot of the same gear that I have forever. Um, which is, which is cool. So I, I, enjoy, I enjoy doing that stuff too. Nice. Yeah. I hear you on the, the superstitions, the, the routines, if it works, you just keep using it until something else does or until it fails you. So. Uh, yeah. Well, it keeps your mind clear too. Like, like if you're, if you're like concentrating on doing something like that, like it, it, as weird as it sounds like it, it sounds like it's added extra things to like my brain, but it, it honestly, if I concentrate on like putting my shoes on the same way or putting my knee pads on the same way or whatever, then I'm not stressing about the game that's coming up. I'm just living in that moment to put my stuff on correctly. I don't know. It sounds weird, but, um, it tends to, to keep me, um, it makes me less anxious before a big match. Yeah. It takes out the guesswork. Uh, it's uh, a yeah. very routine muscle memory. Um, yeah, I totally know what that's about. It's, uh, I mean, everybody does it. Like all the professionals, soldiers, it's, it's just one of those things like, yeah, this is, uh, there's a reason why we do this thing this way. And it, it, it just works the mind. Like, like I kind of like what you said earlier, like you, you have to have that mindset where like, I'm going to win. Like that's all you got to focus on. If you even for a, a second think, oh crap, I left my left knee pad in the hotel room. I gotta go get it. Like that already throws you off. And just that slightest, like like mental break could be uh what what costs you a game if you're one v one against you know a big name like uh, Murgler or what have you so if you have those things absolutely down and streamlined that's that's what you got to do however you do it yeah it I mean it it lets you focus on the things that are actually important at that like because once all that stuff's done because you've done it the exact same way forever then you can focus on you know winning winning that one on one or when you get no and no matter what situation you're in like you've been in it before so you know there's no reason to stress out right so like everything else to set. So just be in the moment when you're in it and, and respond accordingly. Exactly. Um, Eli asks, um, actually, I want to say this one for the, for the, the future section. So I'll, I'll, we'll come back to that one. Um, okay. Cause I think Lucas has some, some pretty, pretty heavy ones here. So Lucas, um, he asks, or yeah, I'll just kind of read it. So he said, you took the year off from elite to focus on foam. Uh, what was that experience like after being so involved? Um, I'm assuming from elite for, for years. Um, honestly, it was, it was, I, I missed my teammates. Like I missed doom. Those are my, those are my guys. I mean, I thankfully I still see them all. So it's, it's, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, but it was great. Like I, I, I stopped having fun playing 8.5. Um, it, it just wasn't, I, I just didn't find a joy in it anymore. Um, and no, if I'm not trying to do the ball debate or whatever, just personally speaking, I just did not have fun playing 8.5 anymore. Um, so, and foam challenged me more, right? Like it, it made me feel like I needed to be more athletic and, and, and train harder and work harder because it was the playing field was level because everybody can throw the ball. Um, so it made me work harder and made me focus. And, and, and honestly, I, I had, I had done everything in elite. I, I had accomplished all the goals that I set out. Um, you know, we, we doom has won every division, um, and now that there's a new division, obviously we haven't won that, but we, we had done everything that we wanted to do. Um, and I didn't feel I needed to continue if I wasn't having fun. Um, and losing, um, losing worlds really, really sucked. And so I was like, I'm not going to do that again. So I'm not going to play other ball styles that I don't enjoy just to not focus on one that I do. So I haven't, I mean, I guess I've thrown a no sting ball a few times, but other than I think the San Diego classic, um, and maybe one other nosing tournament. I haven't thrown any ball but foam for over a year. That makes sense. And like, so. uh, yeah, and, and not not to sound douchey, I guess on your behalf, but like you, you'd already proven all you needed to um, through Elite. As you said, you, you've won every single division. So like, why not set your eyes on the one thing that was just almost in your grasp and, uh, you know, like maximize on that. So that makes plenty of sense. It's, it's funny because like we, um, the the OG panel was actually in a in a weird way kind of inspired um, by I think it was a conversation that you might have been a part of with uh, Charles Schwery um, in the Elite Nationals last year in Minnesota. I think he was talking about like how you guys or some people from LA were, were kind of missing like the good old Grand Canyon State Games days when you guys would come down to Phoenix and and play an eight point five and like you know it wasn't it was still competitive dodge was still kind of figuring itself out and um somehow that translated into let's let's talk to 
some of the older guys have been playing dodgeball and, and kind of go back to that because not that I 100% agree with you because I, I still get some joy in Elite, um, but just felt like something was, was kind of being lost um, last year, and that, that could be a whole other rabbit hole that we can talk about some other time. But um, just kind of reminded me, I was like, oh, yeah, no, the, the whole reason why we didn't even do the OG panels was, was actually kind of uh, kind of lo- along the lines of what you were saying when we, we kind of last spoke on, on Facebook. So interesting little side note there. Yeah, it just, I mean, if you don't have fun doing something, don't do it. Like, and again, I, I, I love that people still love elite and, and, you know, obviously all my, most of my teammates still play and, and a lot of people that I care about still play, but, but, uh, I, I, I get so much more joy playing foam and, and playing on the world stage. Right. And if I'm going to go put myself out there, have that name on my back, have the USA on my chest, I'm going to go out there and be the best player I can be at that ball style. Right. Like, at that moment, that week, no one cares if you won an elite national championship. No one cares that you, you know, won, uh, you know, and no offense to elite, obviously no one cares if you won this, the, the San Diego classic at that point, it's just, you're wearing USA. You have, you know, USA in your chest, cried on your back. Like you need to be the best player in the world for your team to win a gold medal. Um, and that for me personally, that journey was, was, you know, ceasing other ball types and playing the one that I, that I find the most joy in. And obviously the one that, is at this point the highest level of the sport because that that tournament in Cancun is the highest level tournament I've ever I've ever been a part of um, with the most talent and and obviously it only had like eleven teams so it, it's hard to say the most talent but it was the most concentrated talent um, like that Malaysian team was was incredible and I think our U.S. team is you know obviously the in my opinion the best team that we've ever put together um, and so I. I uh, yeah, so it just was something that I, that I felt I needed to do, and also like instead of traveling to to these places I've already been, I get to you know use that money to travel out of the country and do other things that that I find joy in in life. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, last question from Lucas, and I was I was going to ask uh, this anyway, so that it's kind of good that he kind of wrapped this in. So he says. Um, you subbed yourself out of the match in finals and said it was one of your worst games ever. Um, how does a poor personal showing in the gold medal match mix with how you view what team accomplished, what the team accomplished in ultimately winning the gold medal? Um, honestly, like, I, it, I didn't think I was playing poor in the gold medal final. I just wasn't playing the way that I had been all tournament. So there was a lot of there was a lot of layers to to that to that decision on my part. Um, I think when I pulled myself, it was three, three. So it wasn't like we were losing, like we had come back from two Oh, we were three, three. Um, but how that was playing out in my head was it was going to be a slug fest like the year before, if I had stayed in the team needed a spark. Right. Um, and I wasn't hitting my shots as well as I had been all tournament. Um, I was blocking. Okay. I was protecting. Okay. I mean, not blocking well, but I was doing okay. Um, but I saw it playing out the same way I did last year where it's three, three, maybe it'll be four, three, four, four, five, four, you know, whatever. And then it comes down to a, a, you know, a coin flip, no block again. And, and we could lose that. Right. Um, so that was going on in my head. I was like, Oh, wait, we need a spark. And I was like, Jeff Gio can be that spark. So I went out and I went in his ear and I was like, you need to get warmed up. And he goes, okay, I gonna put you in next game after you know next game. And he goes, okay. So he kind of like shakes his arm a couple of times and stands still. And I, and I, and I yelled at him. And I go, you need to get loose right now. And he goes, okay. And then he starts like jogging up and down or whatever. And I, and I kind of felt bad for yelling at him, but it, it, he saw like the fire in my eyes. And then, um, I don't know if we won or lost that game, but either way it was three, three. And so, um, pulled myself for Jeff because I knew he could be a spark. He is so, he is such a talented player and he, he hadn't, he hadn't been a spark yet where everybody had been a spark at a certain time. Dylan was a spark at a certain time. Catch him myself you know, Eli, Mikey, I was like, okay, it's, I think it's Gio's turn to kind of, to, to be that spark. And then once, and, and, and the second level of that was once the young guys saw it was all young guys on the court, I genuinely believed that that would energize them. Um, because with my play style and how I play, like I, I, I generally slow down our teams because that, that is how I play. And that's how, you know, I, I see to win it. Right. They, but they could still play faster and smart and, and not like play loose, but at a quicker pace with Eli and Mikey on the corners. Um, so just one of those things where matchup wise and, and, and the way it played out in my head, I was like, guard, right, if, if I get Jeff in there and he makes a couple big plays, you know, everybody gets rolling and, and whatever. And if his curveball is working, he can blow through anybody's block. Um, and fortunately it played out exactly how I had hoped. Um, 
And then <clears throat> at one point we were up eight, three or something with, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes left. And Asidro had played an incredible final. He was good the entire final. And he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, he goes, he goes, I want you to go in for me. And I was like, are you sure you're playing lights out? And he goes, he goes, he goes, you are better at slowing the tempo down than me. And, and we just need to, to run out this clock to, to get this gold. Hmm. And I was like, I was like, okay. And, and if you watch, like I hug him because it was such a, such a grown up move to pull himself playing lights out, by the way, out of the grand final match in the, like the second part of the second half, um, like less than 10 minutes left. And he pulls himself to put me in so I can slow the tempo down um, and just kind of secure a victory. Um, so I, I gave him this big hug and I was like, I'm really proud of you, man. That's a big, it's a big time decision. So I went back in um, and finished out the, the game and, and yeah, it just, it just one of those things where it wasn't about me. It wasn't about like, I had one of my best tournaments in my whole life. Like I, I was, I was so confident I was hitting my shots and then I wasn't hitting my shots against Malaysia and I wasn't moving as well as I could have been. And I definitely wasn't moving as well as Eli and Mikey on the corners. So it just was a decision that a captain had to make. And, and fortunately the young bucks made me look incredibly smart and, and, and I was, I felt very grateful, um, that they, that they trusted themselves and trusted, you know, my decision there, I guess. And, and made me look like a genius. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty awesome, man. Just like, yeah, cause, cause speculation and, and you know what we, what we see on the outside, like, okay, Nate may not be playing the way he wants to. He's pulling himself out. He's letting Jeff have a shot. Um, from my experience, I'm not going to call anybody out, obviously, but I, I know some captains can have a really hard time doing that. Like they, they want to be in there in the thick of it. They, they want to win. They want to be part of the, the, the team or, you know, the lineup that, that brings that win. They want that uh, responsibility. They want that glory, what have you. So already seeing that you would be willing to, to pull yourself out speaks volumes. Um, hearing your, your strategy behind it about how, you know, it would have changed the, uh, the whole dynamic of the game from as you said uh you know one for one slugfest to you guys taking a huge lead on on malaysia and then going back to isidro who is on fire but also realizes okay like you know how fast malaysia could potentially turn this around in us we need to slow this this down like just to have that like i don't, I don't want to say like i don't know what the word is like the the outside perspective or just to have that like fully understanding the system and and that buy-in um I mean, you want to know what the difference between Team USA this year and last year was. That's it right there. Just just understand what works and, and knowing, hey, if I'm not part of the system that works, even though we need it, um, I'll take myself out to make it that happen. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like everybody had the same goal, right? And and that was part of the buy-in. It was like, yo, we're all here to win a gold medal, right? Like, yeah, it's like did anybody care about individual accolades? Any of this? Because nothing else matters. The only thing that matters is who's what country gets their name scribed on that trophy. Like that is it. So, so, you know, I, if, if I can't do it, right, if I'm, the, if I'm one of the people that came up with this, this game plan and one of the people that, you know, was, was, you know, I guess in a cheesy way to say it, in the lab for months and months and months trying to figure out how to get the best out of our team and talking with Brett and Lou and, and Stone and us bouncing ideas off each other. If, if the captain can't do it, then what example is that set? Like it, it, you, you have to, you can't come up with, help come up with a game plan and then bail on it because you want to be part of it like that's that's not really how that works like you have to show your team that hey no one's exempt to this like we all are in this together and 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 throughout the whole week everybody showed that like the the guys that didn't get a lot of reps in finals like they were like we wouldn't have won without anybody like they were they were there the whole time playing well it just matchup wise it just wasn't wasn't ideal but they were so positive and so supportive and they were also in the gym with us every day and and you know, pushing, pushing us to, to just get better. And it was a whole buy-in from top to bottom. All 14 people that were part of that, part of that team, um, just showed what it takes to win a gold. And, and, and I was, I felt so fortunate and lucky to be part of it. That's awesome, man. Did you, uh, did you have a, so the way I worded this question was, what was your toughest obstacle at Cancun? So what was your toughest match? I guess that's the way I kind of want to rephrase that question toughest match um <clears throat> honestly australia round robin was my toughest match um i was playing well um and, and or i wasn't playing well i was playing okay but none of us were hitting our shots and australia was hitting everything it was crazy i think they threw like 85 percent kill success or like i made that up completely but like they were hitting every shot and they were just rocking us and we were struggling so bad and 
and I got, I got negative for, for, you know, a part of a half where I was like, what are we doing? Like, we are not playing the game plan. We completely lost the game plan. We, we were, because it was our first time we played a tough team and they were just putting it to us. Um, and I think they were up like four, two or something like that. Um, and they were just putting the sticks to us and we have just hit our first bit of adversity and we weren't responding the right way. Um, we were, we were heads down. I was, I was pissed and I, and I'm, I'm always a very positive captain, but I kind of got pissed for a second and I had to kind of check myself as well. Um, and actually Lou and Brett checked me um, a little bit. They're like, you can't, you can't show that negativity. I'm like, I'm, you're right. I'm sorry. Just people build on the game plan. And then at halftime we kind of were like, yo, what are we doing? Like the game plan will work. Just trust it. Like if they hit a few shots, they hit a few shots, but you, you have to buy in. And fortunately it ended you know, beautifully, like where the game plan was working, we got ourselves back into the game. And then Mikey comes up with this one of the most athletic catch I've ever seen and broke his wrist on the play, which is also bananas. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so that was my hardest game, but I also think that was the best thing that happened to us that week because our backs were against the wall. We hit adversity. Then we showed that if we bind to the game plan, we can win. And so then we went down two to Malaysia bad. No one panicked. No one was like, no one was like, what would we do or whatever it was. It was, um, we've been here before. Like we're down 0-2. It's not a big deal. There's still 17 minutes left in the half, right? We have almost 40 full minutes of dodgeball left. Like 2-0 was nothing. And you saw people respond and saw people, you know, understand it and, and trust the game plan and not get down. And it was, it ended up being a great thing. But yeah, Australia round Robin was the, was definitely the hardest match or my toughest personal match of the week. Gotcha. Would that be fair to say like that was your like personal dark moment too then? Just kind of feeling like that that buy-in was kind of getting lost. You said you kind of dipped into that negativity for a second and then you got pulled out. Yeah, like well it like I was I played I think I played every game during that, but I but I I responded sharply to players not moving as well as I thought they should have. I was like you got to pick up your feet and I was like saying things like that and I was like that's not that's not how I captain, that's not how I how I inspire confidence like I was like, yo, my bad. And I like, I apologized to a couple of teammates or whatever. I apologized the whole team after. Um, I, like, I didn't say anything like super negative. Like my negative is literally that pick up your feet. Like, well, you need to move better. Like that. It wasn't like you suck or you, you, this, you, that it's never that. But even, even that little bit of like anger in your voice can, can kind of snowball into people not being confident or people being self-conscious of themselves or, or not playing with confidence. Um, so that's not how I've ever captain it. It's not how you get, performances out of people you know, positivity is always the best way to do that in my opinion um so yeah so that was that was and but we responded we won and then you know we had a film session afterward and we all talked about it and and you know everybody everybody like was on the same page They're like yeah we lost the game plan for a while because we got kind of frazzled because they were just crushing us um but then when we responded and, and picked it up then everybody saw the potential that that had because again that was our first real test with the game plan so like we had months and months and months of this like studying these studying these strategies and whatever and that was the first time we got tested and it they punched us in the mouth but we responded we settled back down and then for the rest of the tournament it was it was pretty pretty solid sounds like that was it's probably a good thing that you guys got tested that way when you did because you, like you said you got that first like punch to the face and like oh it didn't kill me i'm awake now and then it was just you know the grinding machine afterwards so kind of a kind of a fortunate thing turned from you know potential um negative but um yeah i, f okay. I feel like that happens every tournament like there's always there's always that one one match or one game where i mean at least personally where we get sucked right in the mouth and it wakes us up to like hey we can't just walk in here because we're better than everybody and think we're gonna win this like you have to we have to execute what got us here and then that one fortunately won because normally when i when my team get punched in the face we take a loss like every year in worlds we've taken around robin loss um you know on, on teams that we needed to beat or we wanted to beat um, and it would wake us up and whatever. Um, so fortunately we didn't lose that. Um, but, but again, like, yeah, it was, I think it was a, the, the turning point of the weekend where people were like, okay, this will work against good teams. Like let's just trust each other and trust the trust, trust the process. For sure. Um, obviously aside from winning, um, what was your favorite memory from that week? Like if you oh, just man. pick one. Um, Honestly, like just having conversations with Eli, like that dude is so funny. Like he was, he was like, he was my roommate the, the whole time. Like it was me, him, Dylan, um, and Cody Sidham. And, and, uh, I mean the four days leading up or the three days leading up that I spent with Dylan and, uh, Joanna, the women's team and Griffin and, um, Rachel from the women's team was, was some of the best three, four days 
I can't remember because it was like a pure vacation, clearing your head for the the next you know five or six days of kind of dodgeball, dodgeball, dodgeball. But no, having conversations with Eli and, and just hearing him say the things that he says, and he's such a funny he's such a funny kid, and he's such a caring, loving kid too. So I really liked uh, the time I spent with that kid. He's a he's a he's a good one. Nice. Yeah, he's uh hopefully I'll be able to have him on uh early next season. I had him on briefly with the rest of the outlaws and um just him and Mikey Mike um going off against each other like talking smack uh it was pretty fun to listen to, so but um I don't know too much about Eli just yet. I'm always you know, always just see him on the outside very quiet, but uh that's cool. Yeah, he comes off that way. But when like when he gets comfortable, he that kid is is hilarious. Um and also another highlight is just like the team dinners, man. Like we, we got along so well, like Mikey had his brother there and his brother is just like him and they are hilarious to watch talk. Um, Vince had his family there, which is beautiful. Ketchum's family is there. Asidro and his wife, like it, it just was, you know, it just was a great weekend of, of, of bonding and, and people that, you know, you genuinely want to spend time around. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to miss that because obviously I don't know if we're ever going to all be in, you know, on the same team again. Um, so that's kind of that's also a good memory is just kind of being there with all these dudes that you put all this work in and, and looking across them with the gold medals on like looking at those photos just is just so cool. Nice. So that was part one of the basically like I guess world recap with uh, with Nate Kreider and um, the reason why I'm kind of stopping it here is because uh, this was initially going to be about thirty to forty five minutes like the rest but uh, not going to apologize. Uh, me and Nate had a great conversation and I want to be able to air all of it. Um, I would say in its entirety, but I feel like so much good content was, was captured in this conversation that I, I couldn't help, but, uh, bring it, break it into two parts. So, um, hope you enjoyed part one and I will, will see you in part two. So in the meantime, if you're still listening, have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you soon.